Hello, I'm Nathaniel, and welcome to the Descent into Illumination. Hello, and as always, welcome to The Descent into Illumination. My name is Nathaniel. As always, I am your faithful host. I am joined with the lovely, the illustrious, the cunning, the baffling, the enticing, <laughs> um, continuing co-star of this Going Out series. Would you like to introduce yourself to the people? Yes, this is Jared, once again, for the third part of our Going Out West Going out weast and now going out wheats series. So thank you once again for having me on. Let me continue to share my story to the world. It's it's really meant a lot to be here in your company, Nathaniel, and I'm blessed to be here. Well, and I, I feel like we owe the audience a little explanation. For whatever reason, I uh, had a little snafu. This is actually our second recording of the going out wheat episode. But for whatever reason, um, we recorded both the, the previous episode and the, the original Going Out Weed episode um, uh, back to back. And for whatever reason, the, a block file, the audio file, decided not to save and I lost the entire file. So Technology. Yeah, you know, learning pains, learning pains, you know. Um, I am not a technology wizard by any means. I am just a normal wizard by all the means. <laughs> <laughs> so... We're just trying to, we're, we're going to hash this out and we're just going to kind of uh, play a little catch up, if you will, but, you know, yeah. still really dive in deep as we like to do and really try to get a whole empathetic understanding of a story. In this right. case, your story. Yes. Um, so once again, audience, thank you for um, joining us this, on this, this adventure, as I do have a little shameless plug again. Um, I'm still attempting to get on the Behind the Bastards podcast, so if you could tweet at IWriteOkay, that's I-W-R-I-T-E okay if you could tweet at him to just say get nathaniel on behind the bastards podcast i would love to join robert evans on his phenomenal podcast behind the bastards it is a very interesting history lesson highly recommended and very relevant to today's uh geopolitical situation like you know the fact that america is dealing with the rise of fascism again and how we should address that in a, a you know political sense because you know we can all agree for listening to this podcast maybe fascism isn't the right way to go maybe we should address that maybe we should deal with that as a society crazy thought but you know hey whatever um agreed yeah maybe we should you know deal with my national terror my national supremacy and terrorism that we have going on in our society you know yeah. i don't want to get into too political it's not the point of this podcast but you know there's some good there's some good shit to learn on that podcast you know and i'm always 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 support listening to with an open ear about learning historically relevant information yes but that's not today's episode so that is the end of the shameless stuff plug <laughs> today we are going out wheat we are trying yes. to figure out so in little, playing a little catch up here basically we we we'd address kind of some of the uh academic and some of the uh financial and uh career-based goals of yours and you kind of going on these paths of addressing them and you know finishing your schooling and everything like that and growing and everything like that and we had really ended with last um, episode really talking about how you have accomplished a lot yes you have really become an adult in your understanding of that right and starting to become a functioning member of society and being able to have these both external and internal rewards because of that challenges too 
Yeah. But rewards too, because of things you've been working towards, things that you'd been setting forward and things that you have been growing on and decide to put the time, effort and energy into. But however, even with this growing rewards and this growing support network of friends and everything like that, you still hadn't filled all of your needs, if you will. You, there were still things you were struggling to uh, not necessarily accept, but you know, just internal challenges and you didn't feel like you had completed um, growing or adjusting your needs at that time, at least. Right. And what I can tell you is at this point in my life, okay, so we're going to kind of go back to this is now the beginning of 2016. And by this point, I would say I pretty much had come full circle. Like you said, you know, I, I had rebounded to a point where I was getting back on track with school. I was just starting at Rio Salado Community College, taking my credits to get back towards And again, graduating. I, I want to emphasize here that you were literally paying for your education. I do think that that is something that we want to highlight that you did as means that of getting back and getting your education in a financially feasible way by going back to Rio Salado and paying for it. Not even working, you know, a full-time salary at this point. It's part-time. So, so we, we want to highlight to people, it is possible to get your education in, and a good education. You don't have to go to, can go and get $150,000 in student loans, you right. know what I mean? No, you don't. No, it's, it's possible, and you, you found a way to make that work. Yeah, and the thing is, the, the biggest lesson that you can learn is that when you want it bad enough, when you want something bad enough, you'll find a way to make it work. And if you're willing to take a step back and evaluate all your options, like I did, you'll find that there is very well a path that is more easy to obtain than another path, which is what people are trying to tell you. So instead of going to four-year university where I was going to be paying at least 40 grand for four years, you know, you could save half of that money by just going two years to community college. And that was a big lesson I learned. And being able to put myself through school is definitely what helped me on that growth trajectory and mindset because I was taking ownership of my life at that point. Well, and you, you took a step back and you found resources that were available. Right. That's the key we really want to emphasize here is taking that step back, really analyzing the situation and finding a path forward that you didn't originally look at. You found new available resources and it's taking those available resources to move forward and everything like that. Now, there was some privilege here and everything like that. You know, you still had a good living situation at home and everything like I that. I did. But at the same time, these were active choices that you made in order to fulfill your education. So a little give and take and everything like that. So, you know, we want to understand, we want to emphasize here that there are resources available for you to find new and creative ways forward to get advanced in life. Right. And I, that's something I'll give my parents a lot of credit for is I always had an awesome roof over my head. I always had that resource at home, like my parents, both that I could go to a great, strong support network. I had great friends. I, I basically just had to put myself through school because no one else is going to be able to pay it for me. And th that support plus being able to go after and get those resources myself is what really was the formula for success for me. And I feel like even if people are out there that are trying to accomplish the same goal that don't have the same support network of resources, I do think it's possible. I just think that you have to go look at your situation from the big picture and see, you know, who can you trust? Who can you lean on? What are your options? Where can you go? Because I feel like there's always a fight to be made. And getting out of the mindset that you have to go to a four-year university, graduating four years, 
and get into the student debt doing it. No, no both of us took literally six years in total mm-hmm. after dropping, including dropping out of the college to right. get our degrees and everything like that. It doesn't have to happen for clean years. No, it doesn't. You know, and literally as you started out, you had this ramping up period where you just took, you started by just taking one class at a time and everything like that you know two two for the semester but one class at a time right and it's doing those things like that you know the making sure you're not putting a time limit on your growth and everything like that and um i think that's a really good transition actually to start talking about you know this changing of a mindset you know this, right. this this finding a creative solution and being open to different interpretations of reality um yes. like we're trying to address your social needs yes so kind of going back to this period of my time I, I was feeling very complete as I'd mentioned you know I was getting back to school I had a steady job I was actually on the doorstep of a promotion to manager at that time I had a great wonderful support network of friends and family I, I had you as one of my best friends at that time and and I really felt like I was set there and especially socially I felt like I had a good foundation but at the same time, I also still felt a little bit of that emptiness inside to where I felt like I wanted to go out and find my person. And basically what that all boils down to for me is obviously being a male in his young 20s, you know, I, I had a need to go out and find a romantic partner at mm-hmm. this time. That was just a choice that I wanted to make. Now, not everyone might have the same choice, but at that point in my life, that was something I wanted. Well, and it's, it's exactly, it's the, it's that important to be mindful of groups that, you know, of individuals who may um, be asexual or in different religious systems or anything like that, right. who have a different um, uh, view on the nature of relationships. But this is something that you're addressing for you in order to, in under your worldview, which is the whole point of this podcast, is understanding yeah. a worldview. Um, it's all is, about perspective, ex- right? Exactly, is that you were you were dealing with the legit biological needs in your case of mm-hmm. having to have a romantic partner and everything like that, and I think it's important to really highlight at this time that that's not something you'd really been familiar with yet, even in any regard. So you're in your early twenties, and this is new territory. So maybe it's fair to go back a little bit and really kind of explore the origins of this and build our way to where we get to. Yeah. So. I mean, going back even to high school, obviously you go through puberty and you kind of start to get these underlying, or at least I went to, through this period where I started to get these underlying drives to go out and find a partner. Yeah, and it started to develop know, naturally. Exactly, you have a you know a little, as well, you know a lot of humans do a sexual awakening when you have new hormones. Your body literally starts to change. You can yeah. hair more places, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The birds and the bees. You know, I'm not here to you know be your public uh, sex information and education here, but I think we have a, you know a clear understanding. You know, in, in your in your mid high school period and into your early high school period, if not later, you go through literally a sexual transformation, and you know your um. Uh, your body changes, you right. know, and you have these new social needs. You're like, all of a sudden, in your case, you know, as you're someone who identifies as a cis male heterosexual, mm-hmm. um, you're like, oh shit, I like girls. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, let's just be quite honest and say that high school, college, that's literally peak testosterone time. So that's when you really start talking about ramping up. Like, here I am starting to ramp up sexually, but yet I've never had a romantic partner, had never been intimate with anybody throughout high school, and 
it, but at that time, I kind of had a little bit of a conflict because I, I did have that underlying physiological need, but mentally, I didn't feel like I was ready for a partner. I felt like I was still working mm-hmm. on myself. But that didn't stop me from going out and trying. No, and I think that's a really important thing to highlight there, too. That just because, you know, it's addressing the stigma that not every male in their uh, teenage phase and early 20s is just a rabbit machine, you know. Um, going out there and trying to get, you know, for lack of better wording at least. You know, trying to get his dick wet, you know, and, and everything left and right. No, you were someone who had the social, you know, who was starting to develop the social needs of, uh, you know, a developing person and that contrast and that conflict where you're, because you were so mentally focused on your career, your education and your life. And even especially in those down moments, you know, where you had to drop out of school, those were still your primary focus was on your um, professional development. And I'm not saying you neglected that social need, but it wasn't a priority for you. And that is why, you know, we'll just go out and say it, you know, you waited quite a while to have, um, to lose your virginity. Yeah. You know, you didn't lose your virginity until well after high school. So you're part of a different population that is, you know, a lot of people that don't have sex in high school. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I was. And to be honest i am kind of more or less a non-conformist in a way like i feel like i don't want to conform to what everyone else is doing what everyone else is believing just because it's the cool or popular thing to do i always did what i want to do at that point in my life and having a romantic or sexual relationship was never a priority for me for the longest time because i felt like i needed to get myself straight in other places I, really looking back on it, I don't think I would have been able to accomplish what I did with school, with my social circle, with my career, if I didn't have a point in my life where I made that a priority. Because if you make something else priority over it, you're going to lose sight, you're going to lose focus, you're not going to you're not going to work as hard as the guy next to you or the girl next to you, and you're going to lose opportunities, right? So at this point in my life, go back to like high school. I it, while it still wasn't a priority, like I said, I was still kind of putting myself out there, just trying to see what would happen and to be honest I didn't even have any true relationships in high school there was one time where I took a girl to the dance it was junior homecoming her name was Adrian I remember it was actually Spanish class one day that I I literally had just worked up the courage to ask her out to the dance and mind you this is something I never done before so my heart was literally beating on my chest like while I was doing it and it felt even then like even though this wasn't a major life goal, it felt like a milestone because, you know, I'm like, I'm in high school, like, I want to go at least to one dance and see what that's all about. And, you know, she was an attractive girl and I felt like, okay, well, you know, maybe this is part of my sexual awakening, just kind of going out there and at least exploring what it's like to go out and talk to girls or go out on a date or go out to a dance or whatever and, and, and just kind of get some of that experience, you know, kind of like just going out and seeing what it's like seeing what the what life has to offer in that sense yes and you know and this is a situation where you know nothing did manifest no you know you went to and you had the dance with her and everything like that but you know nothing was uh nothing manifested to it and you know there's a little hurt of rejection but you know you're a functioning human and we're able to respect boundaries and not lose your your cool over it and everything like that yeah so i mean to go into more detail so Basically, we went to the homecoming dance, and I remember, like, 
Mind you, we didn't even go out on any dates or anything like this. We we hung out at school when we saw each other a couple times, but we literally just went to the dance. And, and you know, high school homecoming, it's just... Awkward it, as it, hell. It's awkward. People are trying to, you know, rave or whatever, dance, go crazy. But then you still got your teachers there and your peers, and it's kind of like... It's a very awkward mess, if, if you will. And... Hey, it was fun for the time being, but looking back, I was like, God, we were so stupid. Like, <laughs> what were we thinking that that was cool, you know? But, so... It was cool at the time, and that's what's important at that time. Yeah. It, it Looking back on it, like, obviously that's something I wouldn't do now, but, but back then, that was that was something good for 16-year-old Jared to have. That yeah. was a good experience for yeah. him to have. And afterwards, you know, I thought, okay, may, maybe there's some potential here with her. Like, not not necessarily, like, a long-term relationship. I thought, okay, maybe she'll want to go out on a date with me. But it turns out after that, like you had just mentioned, I basically was rejected. You know, she said that she didn't want to go out with me any further than that, and I respected her wishes, and I wished her the best. But, I mean, obviously it was a little heartbreaking, just at the time, because it's like, I, I was someone that already was kind of an introvert, introverted person, and naturally I'm I'm not putting a lot of social energy out in the world. I'm I'm taking a lot of that energy to go out and put myself out there. But I really recharge when I'm by myself. So here I am trying to come out of my bubble romantically and sexually, and I get shot down. And did how that how, how did you take that? You know how how did how did you react to that? Because I feel like it's an important thing to acknowledge is, you know, w w what was your mythology for uh, dealing with that situation? That's a great question. And I would say my reasoning behind it was that we're all human beings, we're all individuals, and we have different preferences and we have different things we want in life at the same time. And I was never the person to try and force something, whether that was a job, whether that was a, a major, as indicated in the previous podcast episodes, or a relationship, to be honest, if it was a friendship or romantic. Because if it's not mutual, then why, why bother, in my opinion, anyways? Because, like, I've always, in any of my relationships, I've wanted there to be that reciprocal interest, that reciprocal love, even with my friends. Like... I would feel so awkward hanging out with somebody or being in a relationship with somebody if they felt like it was an obligation to me because, you know, they didn't want to tell me no. I never wanted that in my life and I, ne I, I never feared rejection. It sucked. I'm not going to lie about it. it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. it. It hurts because someone literally cho cho chooses someone else over you. Like, not long after that dance, I saw Adrian in the hallway with someone else. Someone else who looked completely different than me. He looked kind of like a bad boy, and I was just kind of like, okay, well, I guess that's who you want. And, you know, like, I, I kind of just had to live with that. But I didn't take it personally, you know? And that's something that's a, a key takeaway is that I think if, if you really stay true to yourself and remember who you are and what makes you special, there is someone out there, if you're looking for someone, that will appreciate who you are and will you know, like, fall in love with you. I, I really do believe that. I believe in the concept of the one, and I, I always had, and still do today. Well, I think you, you know, one, good transition, but two, um, you touched on a really important thing there. You touched on several really important things there. Um, the first being that, obviously, um, you were able to just to understand that, you know, you can't force it. 
you know, and you, you just reg- you regard that in many different elements of your life. And I think that's something that's a common theme on this podcast. You can't force someone to like you. You can't force change in your life, um, you know, by trying to go through unhealthy means and everything like that, or trying to do this one specific thing according to plan and everything like that. I mean, realistically, your plan at that time was to, you know, go on the, this, this dance with this girl and then to have a relationship with her. You know, that's what the hope was. That was the goal and everything like that. But you had, when the rejection came through, even though it hurt, you weren't trying to force anything. Right. Um, and you were able to respect boundaries from that. And, you know, even though it hurt, have that little bit of dis, uh, disassociation is not the word, but the, the, the distance um, in that mental space, at least, to be able to be like, well, this hurts. This sucks. Doesn't change the fact that she's a human. She's able to do her things, and, and you know, it just means that in this situation, it wasn't right for me. Exactly. And that's a very healthy way of doing that and moving on. But it, I'm not going to say that, you know, being rejected isn't is going to be fun. I don't no. know anyone who's like, yeah, I got rejected by that girl. <laughs> Hell yeah, dog, high five, woo, yeah. We literally no. just high fives. We did literally just high five. <laughs> you know, that's not how life no. works. It sucks to be rejected, but you know, it's part of life, and learning how to deal with it is part of growing up. And it's not fun, but it's. It's important. Not only is this important, it's necessary, I feel, to be a full human being. And especially in our society. And that was a really pivotal moment for you understanding what was right for you. Um, for you to even understand that, you know, for your social need that's occurring like this and this in a transformation um, in your life, that's still important to have that healthy boundary, respect, and everything like that. And not to take your frustrations out on someone. But to just to be like, okay, someone rejected me. I don't need to harm them. I can just move forward with my life. No. And I, I'm actually going to give a really great way to sum it up in my eyes. Is that I've always looked at it that you can't have connection without the possibility of rejection. And basically what that means is that there's all different kinds of people in the world and not everybody is going to be your friend. Not everybody is going to match up with you. Not you're everyone's going to get that like do- you. job. Yeah. Even, you know? You're not always going to get that job. But if you continue to put yourself out there and you continue to try, you will make connections, whether that be a relationship that's a, a friendship or a romantic partner or a job or a major that just fits like, but you can't fear rejection to the point where you don't go out and try so that's that's the biggest thing that i would have to say and, and it's a very important message because some people they get heartbroken by rejection and, and they fear rejection they don't put themselves out there and that's not the right way either to go about it well and then okay so you you're someone who in your individual reality you believe in the concept of the one mm-hmm. I um do. and you obviously at least in high school wasn't time for you to meet them no um and really, honestly, you know, through your college experience, for the most part, it wasn't time to. No. So let's go through that transition period in your life now. Well, this transition, I would say, it was a little more of an awkward transition. Mind you, I, I graduated high school. I was going into college, and at this time, I actually knew a handful of people who were in long-time relationships, whether it be with someone that they have met just that year or someone who maybe they were high school sweethearts with, right? And I was someone who always, from a young age, believed in the concept of a soulmate because I saw the strong relationship that my parents had and how much they complimented each other and how much they were meant for each other in so many ways and how much their relationship meant to me that it made me want that and it made me realize that 
that's something that is possible because I'm like, if I'm watching it in my life, then who's to tell me that I can't find that same type of connection out there, right? Well, we can't underestimate the value of what it's, and this is this isn't uh, an endorsement for people who are in an unhealthy relationship or unloving relationships together, but the importance of showing a young developing person what a healthy relationship looks right. like and what that does to affect <clears throat> them for the rest of their life. Um, whether that's, you know, a product of a child who has had divorced parents who have found love in other means. In my case, I found two parents, my, both my parents were divorced and they found love. And I was able to understand what healthy relationship looks like through that. Or in your case, where your parents stayed together um, and had this very healthy and loving relationship where we were able to deal with their challenges together. Yeah. That positive role model of a healthy relationship um, in a developing person's life is really key. And it's in... Fortunately, it's not always possible given the nature of our reality, right. but that's why it's really important I feel like for at least in media representations and in candid conversations for us to understand what the importance of what a real healthy relationship looks like Because it's not what you see in Hollywood. No, you know, it's gonna be challenges. There's gonna be fights. There's gonna be disagreements But there's always that underlying love and that communication and being able to address these needs and everything like that That creates a stable relationship and that's what you are looking at now That's yeah. your role model for it. That is literally what you're looking for and everything like that Yeah, and making an impression on a kid or a child is the most important thing you can do especially with with love and respect and, and treating somebody in that way so I'll, I'll be honest I was very privileged and fortunate and blessed that I was able to have that growing up because I, I got an example right in my face of what true love looks like and I didn't have to go find it and I didn't have to change my mindset to act that way like it was just given to me so that was something I even though my parents struggled financially in my later years and I had to put myself through college I am always grateful for the support they gave me and how much how, how positive role models that they had been throughout my whole life and including up till now but I'll kind of transition and, and talk about how my search for love kind of went into college so again early college I would say probably my around when I started ASU you know when I, I really didn't know what I want to do at that point I was still kind of casually looking for a relationship but it wasn't a main priority for me yet it still wasn't a top like focus for me and ironically people come in your life sometimes in the strangest ways so what what happened at this point actually is i ended up going out with a girl who was the daughter of someone who my parents knew at the time and she was still just about ready to graduate high school in literally a couple months and I had graduated high school the previous year so I, I mean almost a year removed from high school at this point it's like 2014 and basically she just needed someone to take her to prom and she did not have anyone to do that at her high school like and my, my parents were talking to me about it and I thought it would be a good deed to you know like maybe I'm like I can get to know her maybe I could take her out to the prom because I actually never got to go to the prom myself so that was an experience I didn't get to have and um, so I basically took them up on it and I remember meeting her and at first you know she was pretty shy obviously as you would when you first meet somebody most of the time but we kind of started to talk a little bit and kind of became like friends and and we realized okay well we, we, we like each other enough to do this dance thing so I thought 
this is going to work. I'm going to, I'm going to take her out to the dance. And again, I was kind of just doing this, this is a good deed, but you know, at the end of the day, I thought she was attractive and I thought, okay, maybe there is again, like potential for a short to long-term relationship here. It wasn't something I feel like I necessarily needed, but I was wanting to explore that possibility. And as I was going down that road, you know, we go to the prom and it, it, it was a great time. Again, one of those things, looking back on it, that it, it's just another high school dance, but it, it was actually, it was a really pivotal experience for me to have because now I could say I went to both homecoming and prom and got to have those experiences with actually two different high schools. Because if you think about it, when I took this other girl out to the dance, her name was Maddie, by the way, basically it was it was for her high school so i was going to two different high schools dances which was kind of a cool experience just to do that but it was a very unusual experience because afterwards you know we're leaving the dance and stuff and her friends left and everything and i was taking her back to the car and she's she was kind of flirting with me a little bit i remember and then she literally just planted one on me Mm -hmm. And that was my first kiss, like just completely out of the blue, not initiated by me whatsoever. So I, I while it wasn't necessarily solicited, I, I kind of just was like, okay, I, I guess this is it. I guess this is my first kiss. And I, I mean, again, I kind of liked her well, a little for, bit. I liked for, her enough for it to be okay. For an 18 year old kid, you know, at this time, you know, to be able to have their first kiss and everything. That like was that. exciting. It's a very exciting, you know, because you're still, you're, you know, you're, you're just still a kid. Yeah, I was literally point, just still you know? a kid. I wasn't and even in my 20s yet. No, no, no. And you were, and to be able to go and have this, you know, first, you know, and because you're dealing with the salad pressures, where realistically, society's already telling at this point, you've already should have, you know, fucked the cow and back and everything, you know? Exactly. And, you, and you're, you're someone who, has been removed from that experience by choice and not by choice. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't like your intention, like, you're like, oh, I'm going to stay celibate, you know, and everything <laughs> like that. Or am I going to have my first kiss yet and everything like that? That wasn't your goal in these situations. You were someone who's still, you know, even without actively looking for, you still had your social needs of wanting to live through a relationship and everything like that. Because, again, you're a teenage boy who has hormones. Let's be honest here. You want to kind of, you know, put a little hanky-panky going on. And that's not happening right there. So you're not feeling those social needs. So to, you know, have someone initiate their first kiss on you, pretty exciting thing. You know, you know, exactly like that. You're finally, you know, you're going, you're finally, you know, it's that societal pressure, really. If, you know, yeah. you, you were supposed to have, you know, by society standards, like we said, or you've had your first kiss, or you've done all these crazy things, you know, with your life, and, you know, you hadn't. So to finally have this moment of fulfillment, you know, it's, it's a little gratifying. Yeah. And I'll be completely honest, well, through this whole time, I still kept my conviction and my beliefs that, you know, I felt like I wasn't going to pursue anything sexual until, like, I felt like the time was right and I was in a solid long-term relationship obviously being a teenage boy i still had hormones so yeah. it's a very exciting moment and i even though i had my my beliefs and my values i still was open-minded to seeing where things would go yeah and that's kind of where i left it off with so I, I was like okay you know she kissed me that's great she's obviously into me we're talking and texting like every is day. it the one i that was that was like the one followed by 20 question marks obviously i i I wasn't putting that much serious thought into it, but I, I basically oh, but you I, were. 
Well, here's the thing. I I gave everyone a chance. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't going to just come right out and say this isn't going to work long term right out of the gate. I wasn't going to judge people that hard. But I wasn't at the same time going to say, like, they are the one. Because that's how you get your hopes up, right? So I just wanted to see how things were going to go and where they were going to go. And I was completely fine with that. And that's how I've always approached my relationships. So going down that path, so we, we kind of hung out a little bit still after that you know we would hang out and kiss whatever and and that's basically where it stopped so i only got to really first base i didn't get past first base and in hindsight i'm completely fine with that but still that's where we were at that point i was content i was i just felt like this this is awesome you know she's officially my girlfriend what's happening you know this is this is kind of a new experience for me and well, then, it's because you know it's something that, like you said during your time period you know you're just a kid still at this point this yeah. is your first actual uh attempt at a relationship first romantic connection yeah exactly where someone was mutually attracted to you you know and you're both still just kids at this point in your lives and everything like that yeah so and taking her on dates yeah something so it's, I haven't it's a done whole before. new you know it's a whole new experience and everything like that and well how did it end up well it didn't end up great, unfortunately. I mean, looking back on it, very fortunate. But at the time, it, it was unfortunate because what happened is she essentially stopped texting me just out of the blue. And I almost was just like, what's going on? Because for someone who kept in pretty good contact with me for a while, I had just completely stopped hearing from her for weeks on end. And I at this point i was just like i started to get my suspicions about me and was like is she rethinking what she wants to do because at this time she also had a dilemma about where she was going to go to college was it going to be back home in washington go to uw or was she going to stay here and go to arizona state and when i finally got my answer it was basically that she was going to move back home to washington to go to washington university and she was breaking up with me to go back home and be with her ex. So obviously that stung a lot, but it was so early in our quote unquote relationship that it wasn't nearly as impactful as it would have been had we been together for like six months to a year. So I'm very fortunate that that took care of itself early because clearly she was not the one. And I'm, I'm fortunate for how things worked out but at the time, it stung a lot, as you can imagine. Someone who you've grown attracted to and thought that maybe this could work out for some kind of relationship, and just out of the blue, they turn on you. And, and, and it, it, was, it was very surprising for me, but still, even though I didn't agree with how she did it, I respected her decision, nonetheless. Well, I will make that very clear. Well, that's the thing is, um, you know, and realistically, you know, that is an issue of, you know, two kids growing up, not learning how to have healthy communication styles and everything like that at that point, you know, where I never want to encourage just, uh, unless you're dealing with like an abusive situation or anything like that, just stop talking to, you know, partner and, you know, just quote unquote ghosting an individual. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the same time, it's that whole respecting someone else's decisions, someone else's agency of choice and everything like that, which are incredibly important things. Um, we have to highlight the importance of that and everything like that. Um, so what's what's keeping cognitive here that that's the the main theme right there is you know in that rejection and everything like that it still hurts, but it it's hurts. it's still always important to reject someone or not reject but accept someone's um, 
agency and choice. Yeah, it, it definitely hurts, but you have to mutually respect each other's decision and or decisions. And to be honest, like if it doesn't work out, then at some point you just have to be able to get over it. You can't dwell on the past and never and that, let go, Jared. Never <laughs> let go. Hey, never forget. That's something I have always done is I've always known when it's time to let go and move forward. And, and that's what's helped me really grow and change my life. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I didn't know how to move on and move forward. But the funny thing is after she broke up with me, her next text to me and her last text was asking if we could still be friends, to which I replied no. So I made my own decision, basically, which was, you know, you're cutting me off. I feel like it's better if we just cut this whole thing off altogether i'm not going to be friends with you well and that's something that like you and me lose share in common for the most part is i really don't do well with um having friendships with people i've had that romantic relationship with because for me it's hard to differentiate those emotions and everything like that because you know once i give myself to someone i give myself to someone in my experience mm-hmm. so for my healing process a lot of the time is i need that separation and everything like that and right. that's how i personally some people can be friends with their ex it happens you know but in our individual cases of recovery from you know that healing of that you know, hurt and everything like that you know we, we needed our separation yeah i mean not judging but that, that's not something i wanted for myself personally but from that point forward we kind of fast forward a little bit so we're so now we're back to 2016 so we're back to i hit rock bottom i went through a new social awakening i got back to school i'm doing great with my career moving forward (laughs) and now i'm i'm starting to feel more of that emptiness so i'm getting this point where i'm feeling more complete but not only am i having that societal pressure in my ear having that personal underlying sexual hormonal pressure but i'm also having this new pressure which is an underlying desire and craving a romantic relationship and a long-term partner i i feel like i got to the point where i was i i knew who i was i had established my friends i had established what i wanted to do and who i was now i wanted to complete myself and actually go out and find that person for me and, and find my soulmate. You know, I have to do the obligatory. That's gross, Jared. But no, in all reality, <laughs> no, no, it's totally a, a beautiful thing because, like you said, you're in, in, you're intertwining three very different pressure systems. You know, in that, um, and within those different pressure systems, you know, kind of creates this weird dichotomy because a lot of that is you're feeling the most fulfilled you've been. You're, you're going back and you're achieving your goals and everything like that. Yet you've now essentially gone over two years at this point, you know, without having, uh, or two plus years at least, sorry, um, at this point of having no social connection, you know, in that intimate setting or anything like that. You know, so you're someone who, again, by societal standards should have been doing a lot more at this time and having a lot more experience. Um, And so you have that weight on you, even though you're kind of, you've done a good job of mitigating that and knowing where you're, everything like that. But you you. have this, you know, personal desire where you, you you are looking. So you're, 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 no wonder you're starting to feel a little (laughs) bit of emptiness in there as you like to describe it in your words. Um, No wonder you're not feeling, you know, that kind of, you know, unity and everything like that with that, because there's this important part of your conscious individual makeup that's not being fulfilled. Um, on both a biological and an, an intellectual level. Um, so you're looking for it. No, no shit. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, where are we at? Yeah. So, I mean, to this point, you know, I still had not 
had an intimate relationship and I barely even had a romantic relationship up to this point. And I would say being a nonconformist, I had done a great job at resisting societal pressure up to this point. I, I felt like obviously I was hearing that pressure and I, I was getting these influx of hormones, but I still put the brakes on myself until I felt like the time was right. And I think really quick, because of the what's going on in the national zeitgeist right now, and there's some <laughs> different internet movements, you know, within the incel community and some other ones, that you're someone who's now in their, you know, mid-twenties at this point, or early mid-twenties at this point, and you have not had sex. Yes. You are celibate at the, to up until this point, you know, whether that's through involuntary means or voluntary means is irrelevant in this in the state of this conversation in my opinion and you're not going out and blaming that this masked woman conspiracy you're not acting out in violence no you're not you're not disenfranchised with the system or anything like that you know there's there's some issues that we need to address the system for sure but you're you're not like saying that there's this giant conspiracy to keep you a virgin or anything like that that's not and i think we need you're you're channeling this in a very productive and healthy way where you're like i'm just going to continue to move forward your life instead of looking for blaming other people and um, other causes and conditions. And we just need a moment to highlight here that how fucking important that is, that just because you're not sexually active isn't this grand conspiracy and it's not an excuse to have these unhealthy coping mechanisms. It isn't. You know, it, you know, it might justify some of your angst, and it gets understandable. You, you're not had a release that's very common to the human condition. You know, it's arguably a social need. Um, and you're not acting out in any bizarre or violent ways and everything like that. You're, you're coping in a very healthy way with this. And I need to give you credit for that, at least. Because, you know, there, there, there are minority groups, but there are very, you know... Verbally violent, if not violent, communities um, that exist out there that struggle with the same issues you're doing and take it into a very destructive light. And that is not what we want to emphasize here on The Descent into Illumination. That no. is... Um, not the way to go about those things and that there is you know where some support support your local sex industry you know if you really have that big of a need and everything <laughs> like that I'm not, I'm, just, I'm not saying go out and buy a prostitute or anything like that because I can't condone any illegal actions but you know I mean there's just there's there's other means to this you know and everything like that then there's and we're going to get into some of the tools you use here in a moment to really finally get that connection that you've been craving and everything like that right but it's, it's you know just because you're not having social needs is not some grand conspiracy it's not the end the, of the yeah it's not the end of the world and everything like that we need to highlight that's just you never thought in my life I'd have to highlight that <laughs> but you know it's important to highlight no it, it definitely is and that's that's never been me personally that's never been something that i viewed as you know a way to move myself forward is by taking matters into my own hands if it's going to happen it will feel right it will be natural it will almost fall into my lap that's how everything has been now obviously i've worked for these things but if the opportunity doesn't present itself and is not right there i don't try and go after it because I don't try and force the issue, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, but I wanted to thank you for appreciating my ability to do that, because that was hard, obviously, because sometimes you think, like, you know, you, you see people out there like, well, 
well, if they can do it, why can't I do it? But you just, you can't get down on yourself. Well, you because can't everyone's compare yourself got, to others. Yes, exactly. Everyone has a unique set of circumstances and you have to just hit the reset button and realize that you are in your individual frame of reference and no one else can replicate that. Exactly. No, exactly. So, you know, you're, you're almost, it's past 2016 now. You are still looking for that connection. What are you doing? So... What I ended up doing, when I started to actually feel this underlying want to have a long-term romantic relationship, I felt like the best option for me was going to be looking online. Because I wasn't an extremely socially active person. You know that. All my friends and family know that. I'm not someone who's going to go out to a bar and try and pick somebody up. I'm not someone who's going to try and go out and date my coworkers because that just wasn't me. I didn't want to have those kinds of connections and intertwine those relationships. But I felt like maybe online would be a good opportunity because, you know, you get to kind of, you know, talk to people, see what they, they're all about, see what they look like before meeting them. And then you, you can set up something face to face. So I got on a dozen different websites and I started trying to put myself out there and this was Honestly, I could say I started online or trying to online date after I dated Maddie for that short while. So probably throughout 2015 into 2016. And 2015 for online dating was a very frustrating year for me because it just nothing, nothing was happening really. Like I would continue to get messages every so often, but they would not be intelligent responses. Like it would just be like, hey, what's up? And I would reply to it in my typical Jared fashion, you know, whether it be long-winded or just trying to, you know, actually have an intellectual conversation and no, I'd be left unread. I'd be ghosted. I'd reach out to girls who I thought were attractive and I thought we had things in common and just nothing ever took off the ground. Like I, I hear a lot of people talk about online dating and they say, yeah, it's great. I went out with all these people, but they weren't right for me. But I wasn't even getting off the ground. I mean, considering online dating is supposed to be this launch pad, I wasn't even getting the rocket off the ground. So you can imagine how frustrating that was up to this point. Well, and it's a weird dichotomy because, you know, we live in a time area where, you know, where a lot of the conventional means of how people pursued people in the past are no longer socially acceptable, rightfully too. Um, you know, it's like don't hit up on people who are working and stuff like that. And, you know, the online dating community is this weird dichotomy where it's this one avenue in our society now where it's acceptable to, you know, and try and have those, um, form those intimate relationships and, you know, flirt and all of those individual things. Um, but there's that very toxic side to it as well. It's there a double-edged sword and everything like that where there's, you know, that dis, um, where there's the disengagement or that there's this um, over-sexualization. You know, there's a bunch of different issues that come along with online dating, even though I still feel like intrinsically it feels a very important social vice. Um, it does. And you, you're, you're talking about some of those frustrations that you individually experienced where, you, like you said, you weren't able to, um, for years, you know, through online dating, um, meet that social needs and everything and even have a launch, like you said. Um, no. And it's not like you're, and you, again, we should emphasize, you're, you're not looking for some no-strings-attached fun. You're not no. looking for that. You're looking for a committed relationship and looking and growing, and that, that's where your want is and everything like that. And you aren't able to originally at least navigate that. Yeah, so like I said, multiple websites, multiple multiple apps. I you could argue that you're even trying to force it at this point. I to to an extent, I feel like this is probably the closest I came to trying to force something into my life because I was putting myself out there so much and getting frustrated. Where it's looking back on it in hindsight, if I didn't get as frustrated, maybe 
maybe something would have come to me sooner at that point because when you know when you get frustrated you start trying to really press the issue and not not that I was being aggressive but you know I, I feel like I was trying too hard to get the perfect profile set up or or ask myself am I doing the right thing instead of just kind of taking a hands-off approach you know so there was that and and finally I, I think I woke up one day and I had gotten tired of it I had been frustrated and I, I was like you know this this online dating thing isn't working right now I'm not going to give up on all together, but for right now, I'm, I'm done. So I, I literally just stopped checking the websites that I've been on. Um, one in particular, which I've been using a lot, OkCupid, I stopped checking that. Um, I still had the app on my phone, though, and I basically just, from that point on, I was like, okay, I'm starting school. This is January 2016. I was just about to start school again. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to waste my time on this if it's not getting me anywhere. So I move forward. And less than a month later, around Super Bowl time of 2016, I remember I got a message on my OkCupid app. And, and, and I was so surprised because one, this isn't something that really happened all that often. And two, I completely forgot about OkCupid. I forgot it was even on there. And here I am on my app, finding I got a message, and I open it, and I find out it's from a girl named Antasia. And she left me a full, complete sentence, which I'm like, my, my eyes were already lighting up at this point, because I'm like, okay, someone who actually, a woman who wants to have an intellectual conversation with me, and she's beautiful so i'm like this is perfect like I, I i feel like i could really maybe turn this into something but again you know me like i i, I never wanted to get my hopes up from the beginning so i was kind of just like okay well you know let's talk for a little bit see where that goes and we we talk back and forth and you know i, I could say confidently that we had a lot in common just from the beginning and and just our way of communicating was very similar like we both like to you know, use complete sentences and, and put all our ideas out there. And we kind of had the same train of thought that we were able to work off of. So we had great chemistry, just messaging on the app. So I figured, why don't we go meet for coffee? So I asked her to meet for coffee and, and she said yes. And that, I felt like that was a turning point for me because I felt like all these triumphs that I had been seeking on online dating that end up actually being failures built me up to this moment to where like it was it was almost like that relief like something is happening but it, it happened when I was least expecting it to as most things in life do it had been when it, it had happened after you know there'd been a time period where you stopped trying to force it exactly and and I think that's a huge life lesson too because as we talked about on my series before everything that had happened to me up to this point that was positive came because I had the right mindset, one, but two, because I wasn't trying to force it. Well, and it goes back to, you know, what we were talking about when I had a conversation with Crystal and then we talked about briefly on here, that divine timing kind of element mm -hmm. to it, whether that, whatever that um, unquantifiable nature of this reality is, you know, and everything like that, it kind of has those elements and that seeds to it. So we got a coffee date now. Congratulations. What's going on? Thank you. Well, I, I would have to say that this truly seemed like divine timing. I, I will say that for sure because I, I was actually just about to get promoted at my job and so we met for coffee and I was able to tell her that news but most importantly I, 
I was able to see her for the first time and and just see her beautiful eyes for the first time and, and see how gorgeous she was and and just thinking about like basically remind myself to calm down you know to to just be in the moment and to realize that you know this could turn into something but not to get ahead of myself so we meet for coffee I sit down I'm looking at her eyes and, and talking to her and, and just getting to kind of know her. And actually, it was funny because when I first sat down, I was sitting in like the direct sunlight from because it was about sunset time. And, and where I was sitting, she was sitting on the opposite side facing me. So she wasn't in the sun, but I was like directly in the sun. And I was literally just going to go along with it because I was having butterflies in my stomach and I was so excited. And I was going to be. What do I do with my hands? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I I was just kind of like, you you know, I'm already to a degree someone that doesn't want to stir the pot too much. So I didn't want to, you know, be like, oh, like, can we move? Like, I was just kind of, I was so lost in what, what we had going on there. But she picked up on it pretty quickly. It was just like, we should go sit over there so the sun's not, like, right in your eyes. And, like, okay, well, she, she's already in my corner, so this is great. So we end up sitting somewhere else, and we met at a Starbucks, and we talked for four hours. And I didn't order anything at the Starbucks. So we, we basically just chatted for four hours about our lives, about our parents, what we liked, um what football teams we liked sports stuff like that just the whole like nine yards everything and i i felt like we had a good chance to establish that foundation in person and i really started to like her and i like her enough to where i was like okay you know we should go on a date sometime and i'll pick you up kind of thing and so she agreed she agreed to the date and you know we hugged and i went home and because after a while she's basically like you know you should go home to your parents before they think that i killed you or something and it's like you know because i had been gone for so long it was it was almost unusual just for like a first time coffee date so i went home and then we ended up going on the state to dave and buster's for the first time it was our first date and i remember like it was yesterday you know i picked her up and and, and that's kind of exciting manly feeling too like just to get to pick up your date take her out pick up the check all that good stuff and kind of try to impress her you know because that's that's what you do when you're in that courting stage you know you want them to know how much you care about them um which i could definitely say over the years you know like that's something i had really wanted to do and i finally being promoted my career i was now in a position to do that so we had a great time, we had a blast, and we racked up enough tickets to where I actually got her a little stuffed cow, and his name is Moomoo, and something that she still has to this day, and still treasures. So I would definitely say it was a very humble beginning, but it was it was a beginning full of chemistry for the two of us. So now we're at this point where you're starting to make the social connection and everything like that. Um, you got a stuffed cow. Which mm-hmm. is an important part of reality. How are you navigating it? You know, what are you doing? You you had the you had the experiences of butterflies in your stomach. Now you're kind of getting into a situation where you're fulfilling your social needs. Yeah, I'm. I definitely feel like at this point I was starting to fulfill those needs personally, 
And, you know, we after our first date, we kind of went out for like a month. And we, we were going on dates here and there, just getting to know each other more. But at this time, it was kind of like what you said earlier. Like, what do I do with my hands? Like, I literally just did not know how to navigate a relationship at this point because I never got to this point. Like I, like I said, I got to first base. And at this point, we weren't even at first base, but I didn't know. Like, I, I liked her so much that I was so afraid of screwing it up that I, like, was not doing anything. And we you were, were kind of proud about it. Yeah, I was very much mad because, you know, like you've said before, we're both overthinkers. And literally every time I would take her out, I'd be like, okay, Jared, this is the time you're going to hold her hand. It's going to be great. You're going to give her a kiss. And then just I get the jitters and then nothing happened. But I, I really did like her. And that was kind of like this almost like, you know, cognitive dissonance that I was having. And you, you thought yourself into no action. I definitely thought myself into no action. It was paralysis analysis, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I was thinking so much that I wasn't doing, and I wasn't acting like I wanted to. And it, it kind of got to a point where I remember one time I took her to the zoo, and we walked the whole zoo, and I did not hold her hand once, despite thinking about it almost the entire time. And I, I told her goodbye, and I remember getting a text from her later that was kind of just like a, you know, like, hey, what, what are we doing here? You know, kind of just like a, not, not trying to pressure me in any way, but kind of just... Communication. Just understanding where we're at. It's a healthy establishment of a relationship. Yeah, open, transparent communication. It's something that I appreciated from day one with her. And, you know, when, when she mentioned that to me, I was like, oh my god, it's almost like she's in my head right now. Like, she knows that I've been having these feelings too, and she kind of feels like this is the moment to step forward but you know we were both thinking that but yet here i'm here i am not acting because i'm thinking too much about it i don't know what it was but it was something about that conversation even though it was over text it kind of calmed me down a little bit kind of brought my nerves down because i finally you know even though i thought she had liked me the same way I kind of just overthought it to the point where I was like, what if she doesn't? What if, you know, like all these like what ifs? And, and now I'm almost getting this reassurance that, hey, hey, dude, I like you. If you want to make a move, you're free to make a move. But if not, you know, I'm fine just being friends. And that was the moment where I was like, OK, I need to act now and not be stupid because I, I like her. And I, I, I didn't want to just be friends. I wanted to very much be more than friends. So. I turned around, I asked her out on a date that very night, I'm like, let's, I'll take you to the movies, and we're, we're gonna have a wonderful time, and I remember getting her out of the car, and, and right there is when I held her hand for the first time, like, I literally was just like, if you don't do it as soon as you can, you're gonna do it again to where you think about it, so just go for it, and I went for it, and, I mean, even though I was, like, in my early 20s still at this point and like you had mentioned nathaniel like at this point society had these expectations for me that i was already going to be intimate with somebody that i was already going to have at least a handful of relationships but here i am like a 20 something year old nerd 22 year old nerd who is going out on a date with this gorgeous woman and holding her hand for the first time and like i i was like my hand was like clammy and i'm just like you know I had the butterflies in my stomach. I'm just like, this, this is like, 
this is it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going out and doing something that I haven't done before, and I'm definitely stepping outside my comfort zone at this point. You did it. You did it. You held someone's hand. You were able to uh, do that next step that, you know, you overcome that information paralysis, as you said. Mm -hmm. And you were able to get into a moment of action. And, you know, and again, that I want to take a moment to emphasize that overthinking is just that whole trying to force it. You're literally trying to force it in your head. That entire time at that zoo was like, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. And it literally took an external factor in this situation to snap you back to reality and her being like, hey, dude. What's going on? Hey, we need, we need to address some things <laughs> yeah. here and everything like that. And, you know, you went to the movies and you held her hand. Yeah, and I held her hand throughout the whole movie. I remember we saw Batman versus Superman. Terrible movie, but great movie date exactly. for us. So. Well, you held hands and everything like that. So you're kind of starting to uh, take it to that next step. And now as we begin to close down and everything like that, what's uh, kind of... Uh, play a little catch up here now. Let's get to uh, not necessarily where we're at right now, but let's let's get to those next two big transition points that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first big transition is after that movie. I remember I took her home, and in the car, I that's when I asked her to be my girlfriend, and she said yes. And I remember after she said yes, I asked her if I can get a good night kiss, and that was kind of like my way of, you know sliding in there and you know being the hero and again but you're asking for again really want to say asking for consent basic yes. questions you know even when it comes to kissing don't even <laughs> you you have someone who said yes to being a girlfriend it's still okay to ask for consent even for things like kissing very important exactly and i i did i asked for both i asked you know if she wanted to be my girlfriend and i asked her if she wanted to kiss me good night and Obviously, at that point, I felt like the hero of my own story when she said yes to both questions. I felt like I, I made it, and, and I, this quest that I had been on, that was honestly just beginning, but that was a great moment. And, you know, just getting to give her that goodnight kiss for the first time, and be on cloud nine, and go home and tell my parents what just happened, and it was, it was crazy. And from that point forward, like, I... Each time we been, had been hanging out and, and got to know more about each other and go to new places and see new people, we really got to feel like we were in this long term. You know, we really, like the concept of the one started to emerge as, you know, we hit our one month anniversary and went out to breakfast. We hit our two month anniversary, went out to lunch and our three month anniversary, went out to dinner and had this whole thing. and. And, you know, we, we, we did cute little celebrations like that to keep things fun. But at the core of it, like, we truly felt like we loved each other. And the first time I could truly say that I got that feeling in my stomach and my heart was when we were at the pool one evening. It was in the summer. It was probably like May or June of 2016. And we were kind of just doing that thing, you know, that romantic, like, waiting back and forth in the pool, arms on each other's shoulders and looking each other in the eyes and and talking about the future and talking about what our kids were going to look like and and what we wanted and, and we we shared a lot of the same ideals and that was the moment where i was like god i love this woman like this is just like this is something that i'm like like please like please don't ever take her away from me because like, i love her so much and I, I want this to be forever um and not too long after that, we said I love you to each other. And, and in the same frame, we were intimate for the first time, too, which was a, a first for me. But luckily, she was very patient with me and, and, in multiple ways, not just intimately, but 
in, romantically she was patient with me because she also knew that I was a virgin to romantic relationships and I honestly think that she is the best person for me because no one else would have been as patient with me in that regard like no one would have been like I'm gonna wait for you to be ready to hold my hand or I'm gonna be ready for you to have sex with me like she was so patient and nurturing that she helped me and help us get to this point and you know fast forward past six months past my birthday past nine months and actually at our nine month anniversary is coincidentally what fell on Christmas because our anniversary our dating anniversary at least was March 25th so here we are in our first Christmas and, and you can imagine like I'm already in this euphoric state of mind that this year has been a year of a sexual awakening for me and this romantic awakening and I'm, I'm having these feelings that I've never felt before and I've got this beautiful long-term partner here with me and now we get to cherish a holiday like Christmas which is already so magical together for the first time so you want to make a good impression and we were over my parents and you know we exchanged gifts and, and and whatnot and I even remember she got me a PlayStation 4 and and I'm like okay well you know that's something I had been wanting for a while video game wise but I'm like okay that's that that's very loving and sweet and she definitely didn't have to do that at the time but in in return I mean we got each other a couple things but I remember I got her a promise ring because we expressed mutual interest in being together for a long time but neither of us were ready to be engaged necessarily so I kind of just wanted to take that step and and show my commitment prior to commitment, if that makes sense. Because a promise ring is like a, a promise to get engaged and get married someday and and be exclusive and be each other's ones. So I remember I got her that ring and she thought it was so beautiful and precious at the time. I mean, looking back on it, 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 was, it was very cute and um, it was a very sweet moment, but that's definitely what set us up going forward and my plans to ask her to be my wife at some point so i wanted to take a minute congratulation you know you're someone who waited and you wanted to wait and you challenged society's norms and that and you finally got into a position where you were able to experience a lot of firsts with someone you did love and you do love so we kind of highlight that, that both past and present is someone who you love and everything like that. Right. But I think that's as good a place as any to leave it off this episode um, with mm -hmm. a little bit of wholesome at the end. Because, yeah. you know, I love that wholesome stuff. Whole wheat. Always, <laughs> exactly. Going out <laughs> wheat, baby. Um, well, again, thank you for joining me on today's episode of The Descent into Illumination. It was a pleasure having you, Jared. Hey, Nathaniel, thanks again for having me on the podcast once again. And to all of you out there listening, thanks all, thank you always for joining us on our descent into illumination and this series will continue so please stay tuned we have no idea what the name will be for the last one but we'll figure it out we have absolutely no, no. idea um as always uh thank you jared thank you listener without you there would be no descent into illumination um either of you in this situation um i want to say as always you are loved you are not alone and you are worth it amen Thank you for listening to the Descent Into Illumination podcast. Feel free to email me at thedescentinto at gmail.com. Please follow me on Twitter at intothedescent.
Thank you very much again for listening. Please remember that you are loved, you are not alone, and that you are worth it.